Faith does not shipwreck upon the rocks of history, logic, science, or ethics, but on the mountains of sinful desire. So we've had the phrase, keep the faith, ringing in our ears for a few weeks now. And it's just a a fact that for the Christian, either old or young, no matter what we do or have done until we breathe our very last breath, the ship we sail does not dock. So we must keep the faith, avoiding shipwreck, praising Jesus all the way home till by God's grace, we do dock that boat and arrive home. On that journey, we face a, a triage of enemies. Uh, like that quote says, Piper believes the biggest threat or that rock and route of our voyage is our own sinful desire. Satan is no small contender either. He doesn't have the power to condemn our souls to hell, but we shouldn't underestimate his strength. Speaking of the devil, Martin Luther says his craft and power are great, armed with cruel hate on earth isn't his equal. And uh, the, the third enemy there is the world and its godlessness. So today's text is mostly going to talk about that third threat to faith, that is the world and its unrighteousness, but specifically that of some ungodly people who have infiltrated the church and who would influence its members away from Jesus. I want you to see it for yourself. So uh, because we need wind to fill our sails and to bring us home, if you're able, turn to 2 Timothy chapter 3. We're going to start at verse 1 today. 2 Timothy chapter 3 verse 1. And once you've found that, if you are able, please stand with us as we read God's word together. But understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty, for people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness but denying its power, avoid such people. For among them are those who creep into households and capture weak women, burdened with sins and led astray by various passions, always learning and never able to arrive at knowledge of the truth. Just as Jonas and Jambres opposed Moses, so these men also oppose the truth. Men corrupted in mind and disqualified regarding the faith. But they will not get very far, for their folly will be plain to all, as was that of those two men. All right, you may be seated. Let's pray. Jesus, we need to keep the faith. Um, we, We need to see your truth. We need to know it, and we need to love it. So please, turn our hearts to things above. Lord God, give us wisdom and and sight. Help us to see you in the word. Help us to see your grace, to experience your mercy. Help us to live well uh, accordingly and to 
Um, guard our hearts with your word. Lord, guard our hearts with your word. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. Uh, point one, y'all know how we do it. We take it from the text. Uh, so this is difficult times are coming. And I'm seeing this in verse one, right? Maybe some of you, <laughs> maybe some of you read this text here and say amen to that, right? Difficult times are coming. I, I think the question we would need to ask is, what do we do with those among us who live in and spread godlessness? What do we do? Well, and then, of course, we ought to, we ought to pray. We have prayed, God help us and keep us from living in and spreading godlessness ourselves. Uh, I think it's good to start with um, commands in the text, right? This is, this is the first, first thing we see. Second word here, it is understand. Understand this. So we know it is good and it is necessary to concretely apply the word as much as we can, but we shouldn't underestimate the power of believing and knowing and thinking about and understanding the text either. After all, godly living and lifestyle flows from a heart and mind, a heart and mind that has been united with God in Christ Jesus. So let's just understand Paul's message to Timothy and for us. What are we going to understand? <laughs> well, understand this. In the last days, there will come times of difficulty. Okay, so the what is times of difficulty, the when is in the last days. What does that mean? When are the last days? Are we in the last days? I think we can briefly build a biblical case for understanding uh, some glimpse of end times from two different texts. I'm going to throw them both on screen for you. The first one's coming from Acts chapter 2, verse 17. Uh, so this is when Peter gets up in front of a big crowd in Jerusalem. He's filled with the Holy Spirit, and he quotes the prophet Joel and says this, In the no, last days... It shall be, God declares, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons, your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. Okay, there's one snapshot. Uh, let's look at the other, Hebrews 1, first two verses of that book. Long ago, at many times, in many ways, God spoke to us by our fathers, the prophets, but in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom he also created the world. So, okay, you see, see what we're starting to piece together, right? Just from these two texts, we get a little window on God's final arc in redemptive history. This is a preview. And we see that for his people, it's characterized by his Spirit and by his Son. So according to that, I think we can safely conclude that those last days that Paul talks about started right at, at Pentecost, back in Acts, right? The first day when the Holy Spirit was coming, filling, and sealing believers in Christ, that's when the last days started. So, <laughs> I think we can conclude from that, difficult times are coming. It, it's safe and maybe even more accurate to just say difficult times are here, right? We have the foundation of the word. 
We have the power of the Spirit, and we face the reality of difficult times, in, in different ways, but difficult times. And I, I think the times are made difficult because they're filled with difficult people. <laughs> this is the second idea here. Let's read verse 2 and five to, two, two, 5 together here. Um, we see that people will be <laughs> lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, and disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal and not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness but denying its power. Avoid such people is how Paul concludes that. It's a really big list, right? There's 19 items there. Uh, and I think they function like a mirror. <laughs> if we gaze into the mirror, we see what we and what all people always have been like apart from God's grace. In this text, the mirror isn't mostly for self-reflection, um, though the list does accurately do that and describe us outside of Christ. This one's functioning more like a rearview mirror, <laughs> if we're continuing the analogy, because it helps us see oncoming traffic which is swerving from the truth and otherwise will hit us, uh, bring us into danger. So why the list? Why does he give so many uh, items or characteristics? I think it's kind of like a, like a police officer sketching a, a detailed picture so that a lawbreaker can be identified and found and brought to justice Paul is doing that here. He's listing characteristics of people who oppose truth in the last days. Okay? And, and we're going we're gonna to explore the characteristics just a little more, but before we do that, let's, let's talk about what this command to avoid means in context of the letter. A few lines earlier, remember chapter, chapter 2, Paul said to confront false teachers and to do that with gentleness, that they may come to their senses, repent, and be delivered from Satan, okay? So that's the goal. That's what we want, but what was, what was the first word in this text here? Chapter 3, verse 1 says, but, it's, it's indicating a contrast, right? Timothy is not going to always win over his opponents. He's trying to persuade, but he won't always be successful, and because these people are a threat to the truth, to, to keeping the faith, he must be vigilant and on guard. So he should avoid those who live with and propagate godlessness. What is he watching out for? What's his profile, the picture? That's, uh, that's those 19 things. And, and 18 of them actually come right directly from the first. So, so let's look at that one, right? It says lovers of self. That's the first one he starts off with. Lovers of self. This sort of person operates on a very simple motto. Uh, it, it's me above everyone else, right? It's the I'm better, I'm more important. Life's about my pleasure, my honor, my fame, my name. It is a narcissistic and inflated view of self. Like, y'all, this is the ultimate kind of idolatry. Everything else on the list flows from that first 
loving self. <laughs> but, but there are more. Uh, uh, here's the rest, <laughs> in case you missed them the first two times, right? Lovers of money, proud and arrogant, abusive, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, and unappeasable, slanderous, and without self-control, brutal, not loving good, but treacherous and reckless, puffed up or swollen with conceit, and then uh, loving pleasure rather than God having the appearance of godliness while denying its power. I say it again because we just, we got to be aware, right? That's what this is doing. It's giving us a warning, a picture. And, and let's note this. In, in all of Scripture, Paul, uh, neither Paul nor any other biblical writer tells the church to avoid unbelieving sinners. Okay? Right? Like the Bible is radical. It's the love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you for the world. And then we see uh, in other spaces the command to purge the evil person from among you. This is really prevalent in 1 Corinthians 5. Uh, Paul's very clear, like, don't associate with that sort of person in the church because that drags the name of Jesus through the mud, right? Like, we're correct to correct opponents to the truth. And if they won't turn to the real gospel, then to avoid lest they sway and corrupt the church, because that's not something that we can risk, right? A wolf is not allowed to live and breathe in a flock of sheep. So, so let's, let's apply this. This is hard to apply. Uh, let's just start it with that. And maybe it's helpful to, to give a little bit of a picture here. So in the Bible, we'll give two examples. The consequence for rebellion is separation. Okay, first example, Garden of Eden. Adam and Eve rebel, they fail to obey God, and they are exiled from the garden, the place of God's presence. They're separated. Second example, uh, when Israel, God's people, failed to keep the covenant, they were exiled, right? They were shipped away to Babylon. They were removed from the temple, which was the place of God's presence. So, Christian... (laughs) Separate from, avoid the unrepentant one who is living and promoting godliness because we can't be swayed by that. We want to correct, if possible, to bring repentance. And if not, then separate and put distance between. Remember this, all the while, we, we want to remember that Jesus was exiled and forsaken on our behalf. He hung on a cross for us, removed from God's presence, and th- that we might not know that, okay? So we praise God for redeeming an ungodly, a godless people like us, for rescuing us from sin and bringing us to repentance. But what about when godlessness walks through our doors? Let's read on in verse 6. For among them are those who creep into households and capture weak women, burdened with sins, led astray by various passions, always learning, never able to arrive at a knowledge of the truth. All right, this is our third idea. In difficult times, there are disqualified leaders. 
So in Ephesus, there are some influential leaders who are uh, exploiting the, the sinful desires of some for their own purposes. The wolves are wrapped in sheepskin, and these teachers are dragging some women into error. Notice how Paul describes the women, right? They are always learning, never able to arrive at a knowledge of the truth. <laughs> Do you know anyone like that? Someone who's so open-minded that they never seem to reach a settled conviction about anything? Fads come, trends go, and if we don't plant feet firmly in God's word, we will be swept away by their currents. So we have to be careful, right? We want to keep in mind the nature of the weakness. Paul says that rather than submitting to the truth, then cutting straight forward, that they are controlled and swerving by sinful desire. That, that, that is a big contrast, right? They're not submitting to the truth. They're controlled by sinful desire. Brothers, sisters, think with me. How does our faith shipwreck? It's on the mountain of sinful desire. So if you're like, like me and asking, okay, how can I keep the ship afloat and on course? This is the application. It's let's be led by the truth, right? Let's be a sin-killing, truth-loving people. Because the ladies described in the text never arrived at the truth, for they were led by sinful desires. <laughs> the advice to follow your heart is the most deadly phrase, friends. We all know that white-knuckling our way into holiness is exhausting and vain. We just need to know the rich, satisfying grace of Jesus so that our lustful souls are killed in the power of God's love. And this is, this is not a new problem. Uh, corrupt leaders have been influencing God's people for a long time. This is what happens in verse 8. Look back. Just as Jonas and Jambres opposed Moses, so these men also opposed the truth. Men corrupted in mind and disqualified regarding the faith. So, uh, interesting. J and J are mentioned just one time in Scripture. Right here, right here. And they do pop up in a long-standing Jewish uh, tradition. Uh, so I, I did some more like historical research. One commentary I found was helpful said this, extra-biblical Jewish tradition, it, this could or could not be correct, but it names Jonas and Jambres as those magicians who served in Pharaoh's court. Okay, Back in the time of the Exodus, they were able to distract from the true God by imitating the miracles that Moses was, uh, well, that God was doing through Moses, and in that sense, they opposed the truth, okay? These guys just wouldn't leave God's people alone either. They, they were there in Egypt, and then according to one ancient Hebrew commentary on the scriptures, these guys were partially responsible for uh, hosting the worship service of one famous, infamous golden calf, right? Like, these guys had influence there too. They wouldn't let go. They continued to press Israel towards ungodliness until years later. And, and that is a warning. That's what Paul's doing here, right? Instead of following disqualified leaders, we must be led 
by the truth. All right. What are ways we can be led by the truth? (laughs) Here's a quick list. Read it, hear it, sing it, pray it, talk about it, think about it. Okay? What are we trying to do every Sunday in these walls? Read it, pray it, sing it, talk about it, think about it. If you want more information on that, please talk to an elder or a deacon. Email Jeremy. Talk with me. Like, this is what we love doing, right? Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and we want to exalt him. So let's read it and hear it and sing it and think about it and make our lives about it. So if you're doing those things, just keep going, right? This is why Paul's writing to Timothy. Brother, keep going. Keep the faith. Keep the truth. Uh, And if you are not, but you want to start, talk with us. We want to help. We love doing this. And because as he's, he's written these eight verses, I feel like we're just kind of moving deeper into this trench. I just want to say, like, Paul, is there anything good on the forecast? Like, man, what, what's going on here? And the, the answer is just absolutely yes. Verse 9, but they, false evil leaders, will not get very far, for their folly will be plain to all, as was that of those two men. Y'all, this is good news, right? When the all-knowing and all-powerful God tells us that evil leaders will not get very far, we rejoice, right? Because we've already won. The battle's over. Through all sorts of difficulties, justice is going to come. And by the blood of Christ, we will prevail, right? Like, that's our, that's our hope. It's present hope. It's future grace. I'd like to offer one more <laughs> reminder and uh, conclusion here. As we're just trying to uh, do our best to apply the word, we want to remember that pattern of rebellion to separation. <laughs> rebellion brings separation, uh, and it's deserved. Like, we deserve to be separated from God and from his kingdom. And as we read that profiling list, like, what the reaction we want, we, well, we need to have is just, that's me, right? Like, I'm the one who's loving self and who's without self-control and who loves pleasure rather than God. Our hearts need to turn and say, that's, that's me. So as we strive to avoid those who are godless and instead to be led by the truth, we remember that God can and Praise the Lord, he does reconcile the rebel. And he can even use that separation to bring about repentance, right? So I think as is always and ever fitting, we're just going to pray. We're going to thank God for preserving the truth. We're going to pray that he would bring many more to the saving knowledge of the truth uh, through his word. So pray with me. Jesus, blessed be your name in all the earth. Lord, your word is a lamp to our feet and it is a light to our path. And Lord, make our feet fast upon this path. Lord, we know it is narrow, the way that leads to life. And our wandering hearts desire that path that leads for destruction. But Lord, by your blood, through the power of your Holy Spirit, we believe that we will prevail. So help us, God. Lord, let our ships 
not sink against this mountain of sinful desire. Lord, let us not get caught up either on the rocks of history or logic or science, but let us see that you are the truth. The truth is yours. Oh God, help us. Give us eyes. Give us an appetite for the truth. Because sometimes we just don't want it. But Lord, we need you. So help us, God. Please bring many in our town to know this truth. Uh, bring many in our, in our country, in this world even, to confess you as Lord, as the way and the truth. Jesus, you are the only way. We, we praise you. We love you, Lord. It is in your precious name we pray. Amen. All right. If you're able, let's go ahead and sing together. <laughs>